Still, the acid dripped steadily in his vitals, and he was sure that if he did not already have an ulcer, one was just around the corner. For although his body was in this stronghold of law enforcement, his soul was still in the National Gallery. Not by choice had he been parted from his Degas and Da Vinci's, Turner's and Tiepolo's, but by the force of draft. Circumstance had plucked him from the world of art and transformed him into an inadvertent and most reluctant lawman. Despite the success and adulation of his newfound calling, his single burning wish remained steadfast. He wanted out. The acid dripped and the ulcer twinged. A forceful movement caught his eye. Two stern-faced and soberly dressed men, in step, were plowing a straight path through the aimless millings of the tourists. This was not an uncommon occurrence, for, in addition to giving guided tours and providing material for television programs, the Bureau still had a positive role in national law enforcement. Agents came and agents went, and none was to say where and why, which was fine with Tony. The less he knew about the operations of the Bureau, the happier he was. Except these two agents seemed to have their steely gaze firmly planted on him. Unerringly, they approached, and with each doom-like footstep, Tony's heart sank a bit more. Memories of previous forced employment unreeled before him, a knife between dead shoulder blades, beatings, screams in the night, hurried journeys, and ugly violence. Not again. Yet, even as he breathed the wish, he knew it was a vain one. Footsteps came close and stopped. Solid blue jaws leaned near. A breath redolent of mint and binaca, empty of alcohol or tobacco, breathed in his ear. Top priority emergency, Agent Hawken. Come with us. This last was more a courtesy than a request, for... Even while the agent was talking, strong hands were laid on Tony's arm in some complicated manner that appeared to be a friendly clutch while in reality was an iron embrace that lifted and propelled him along between the matched pair. He made paddling motions with his feet so his toes would not drag and scuff his shine. In an instant, they were out of the lobby and a moment later down a long hall. Doors opened before them and closed behind them. An elevator lifted them skyward, and more doors greeted them until their journey ended in a spacious office before a large desk, behind a door labeled simply 2135. The two guides departed without a word, and Tony brushed the wrinkles from his sleeve. I think there has been a mistake, he said. So do I, Hawken, Ross Soans said. So do I. I know you did well on Operation Buttercup, but I don't really think this is your piece of cake. Agreed. See you around, Ross. However, Soans said, and the authority in his voice stopped Tony as he was turning away, spun him about, and dropped him into the waiting chair. However, orders are orders, and these are right from the computer. He tapped the accordion folds of computer readout on the desk as though they were sacred scripture, his head lowered with reverence. The three strands of thin hair pasted across the bald expanse of his skull served only as reminders of their long-vanished brethren. With his beady eyes, 
pimp's hairline, mustache, thin nose, and gold-rimmed pince-nez glasses, he looked the part of a failed confidence man. Tony knew him to be a humorless and highly efficient FBI agent. Orders for what? Tony said dully. Like a rabbit in the noose, he had abandoned all hope of salvation. Soans ignored the interruption. Request came through, secret and urgent, for an agent with certain qualifications. You were the only name the computer produced. Tony hated the gross bulk of the omniscient machine. Can't you tell it I have ulcers and ask for the runner-up? What are the qualifications? That information is classified. A deep buzzing sounded from his desk as though a giant captive bee were calling for release. There's the signal. We go in now. The conference room.